Hey guys, I'm Hallie and I'm Jamie and this is Literal Nonsense. Welcome to episode one of Literal Nonsense Podcast. Yeah, so uh, me and Jamie decided that we would start a podcast because all we do is talk about the books we read anyways. Um, and we figured why not just start recording what we actually think of the books and see if people, you know, resonate and feel Which, the same. We, we could actually discover from this that we're insane and no one yeah. agrees with what we or, think. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, those people? Oh, God. Right. <laughs> Don't listen to anything they say. Yeah, no one felt that way. Uh, but yeah, we've been reading books together since we met like five years ago in our college sorority. Jesus. Yep. And um, yeah, I just never like knew that I would ever be in a situation where I'm in a, making a podcast with Jamie because I literally wanted to throttle her probably within the first three weeks that I met her because <laughs> she forced me on a what was it a college alternative winter break oh college service trip yeah not religious it it was to help animals but um (laughs) it brought her into the middle of the jungle yeah we were in the literal jungle of costa rica and doing manual labor labor, (laughs) um sleeping in a shipping container Mm -hmm. um and i'm not one to rough it but we roughed it we roughed it and i actually ended up having a way better time (laughs) Jamie yeah. did. Hallie wanted to leave the first day, and by day five, she wanted to move there, and I was crying on the hammock, <laughs> <laughs> talking to my now fiance. So it's full circle moment. Um, but yeah, since then we've been friends because we trauma bonded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we read books together. So we figured if we have a two person book club, you guys may as well, uh, you know, be involved in it. So our first book uh, that we're going to be covering, <laughs> we're in school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first book we're going to do is A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, Moss, SJM, however you pronounce her name. She's great. Um, so we're going to have all the books in the series, but we're starting off with the first one and we split the book in half. So there will be two parts. Right. So we're pretty much covering the first half of the book roughly in this podcast. Um and we just wanted to give a little disclaimer before we get started that... Because you always need a disclaimer for everything. Always. A, we're probably going to pronounce things wrong. All of them. All and the words wrong. we don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> we know we'll try our best. I don't need the criticism. Right. We're doing this for fun, guys. <laughs> um, so aside for that disclaimer, also, we're doing this book... Um, we just reread the whole series in preparation for Crescent City 3 coming out. So we're doing this as a reread. So we will be telling the story and our reactions. Um, we'll discuss our reactions our first time reading and our second time reading. But we're also going to reference things for the whole series. So if there's something that was a little foreshadowing or how it relates to the series as a whole, we will be discussing those spoilers. So it could be with warning or without warning. So just to let you guys know in advance. So let's just get ready to rumble. Let's go right into it. Yeah. So uh, book one opens and we have this young huntress in the woods. Um, She's out there starving and hunting for food. Um, Within the first few pages, you realize that she's a human and she's discussing the fairies and the threat they pose and just how evil they are and how 
people's view of them is just that they will kill you and they're very dangerous. Um, like you talk about fairies to give your kids nightmares. I'm like they're not they're not good. <laughs> they're not good. They're not the happy little they're just Tinkerbell. misunderstood. Yeah, I mean, they're super <laughs> hot, but we'll get there. So in the beginning, though, they're bad. So she's out there. She's hunting. She ends up seeing a wolf, and she kills this she wolf. Takes him down. Takes him right out. And she skins him alive in the forest. <laughs> Sells his pelt. <laughs> yeah, which we'll, we're laughing about that for a reason we'll talk about in a little bit. And yeah, so she skins this wolf um, and she brings it back to her family who is starving. Now, she comes back to her house with two older siblings and her father. So already you're like, why is the youngest out there fighting for their lives when there's a man of the house and two older sisters? So already the power dynamic fucked up. <laughs> um, so we meet Elaine and Nesta. And already Elaine is described as being lovely. And Nesta is described as being cold. She's way colder than cold. Yeah. She's just a bitch. She's terrible. <laughs> Not worst. a nice person. The worst. <laughs> and speaking of her being the worst, uh, as we just mentioned, that Feyre, who was our main character, you learn her name. She asked Nesta to go chop wood after she, again, just risked her life in the forest. Mind you, to cook the wolf that she just took down so they don't starve. Right. She's like, hey, I need firewood. And Nesta's like, mm, no, no, thank you. Which is like bad look, sis. Like <laughs> terrible older sister. Like she literally brought you home meat. And she's making help. sure you stay alive. Right. And you can't even chop one measly piece of wood for her and like go chop the fucking wood so first of all i also feel like was there a reason oh yeah she said i hate chopping wood i always get splinters (laughs) (laughs) like girl your sister can be devoured by all those monsters in the woods and (laughs) and she just took out a wolf and you're like "Mm, no thank you (laughs) so yeah so you're gathering the kind of people that she lives with and again she has a father um he is crippled so that I guess is a reason for why he's not hunting, but it's an excuse. Right. Unacceptable. Like, not great. So fine. Um, so yeah, so they ended up eating the food she caught for them. Great. Lovely. And so as they get talking, you could see the tension in the family. Um, they're all kind of just talking about Nesta's trying to get married to get out of this bad situation. Um, and just things are not good. The family does not seem like a happy little tight-knit unit. So that's how our story begins. And then as we get going, we end up going to the village in their town. Um, where- and in that chapter, we end up meeting a few characters. Um, so we meet the mercenary. And so Pharaoh goes there and sells the wolf pelt to her. Um, she ends up paying her extra for it. And I don't know about you, but I felt like reading with my first read that the mercenary was going to be like a big character. Yeah. Yes. And like, guys, she never comes back. (laughs) (laughs) Like, ever. Yeah, I don't know. And I just always had thought like this woman saved her. She gave her extra money. Yeah. No. (laughs) She never comes back. (laughs) So. Uh, You're done. Weird. I mean, I guess... Maybe she does come back. I don't know. But not not any books written yet. Um, and so while she's in the village, we learn about all the history of the Fae. 
Yeah. So these fae, um, apparently, like, if you go into, like, their side of the wall, um, you know, they say it's, like, where no, no mortal dare to go. And right. And so if you go over, you know, they, like, kill you, they eat you, they make your life miserable, you become a slave, X, Y, Z. But there's these people walking around. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, forget these, all that. These, like, acolytes. and. Yes. They are called the children of the blessed and they like idolize and worship the fae. Right. So basically all the things. It's a cult. Yeah. But like all the things that Hallie just said, like these horrible rumors about the fae, like these children of the blessed also know that. And they're like, sign me up. I want to go. So they seem like. But they do say that, like we learned some of the stories later on, like in the books. Right. And it's because they all wanted to escape some terrible situation. Kind of like Farah. Right. But I feel like she's in a terrible situation and she's like, you fucking nutcases. Like. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> I would probably be a children of the blessed, so I can't talk. <laughs> Are you waiting in the forest for your fae to come get, grab yes, you? Yes, I am. <laughs> so we learn about them. We also learn about some more world building. Um, there was a treaty formed 500 years ago. That's when this wall was built, right? So in this world, there's a wall to the north, and it separates the fey lands from the human lands. So we learn about that. And we also hear murderings of the people in the village, and they're talking about how fey attacks have gotten worse in the last 50 years. So keep that in mind, friends. That mm-hmm. is set up. That is yeah, what we call setup. It's 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 really bleak and dreary. Like you do not want to be living this life. Yeah, like I feel like reading these chapters, especially after knowing how the books turn, like I just imagine these chapters in like this like cold blue like twilight filter. Yeah. Like it's all just like <laughs> blue. Um it's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't like Pretty Little Liars do that too? Like they kind of had like that. Yeah, they have like a filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like these chapters are like twilight cool filters, mm-hmm. like not but, happy. But also, I feel like when I first read the series, I was like, "Oh my god, this is crazy." Da da da. And then as like the book went on, you're like, "Oh, what happened in the first book? Nothing. Like literally nothing. There's yeah. so much worse stuff that happens. It's just progressively yeah. more terrible." But I feel like even the worst things that happen in future books, there was at least, like, color. Like, this is, like, black and white. Like, this yeah. is just, like, bleak. Well, and do you think she did that for a reason? Because when she's over the wall? Yeah. Like, I, and I honestly, this is just a testament to what a great author SJM is because she really does set up this, like, bleak world. So even when bad shit happens in future books, like, it's still, like, vivid. Yeah. Like, this is just, like... Well, she's just a good writer. Barren. Yeah, well, yeah. there's not really much to say. Well, and that being said... And it's also kind of like from Feyre's point of view, too. Like, right. this is how she looks at her world. Right, right, right. And that's also a good point. And I think on the topic of Baron, right, we meet this guy, Isaac, who's Feyre's love interest, question mark. Um, it's the guy she's screwing. <laughs> like, that's really it. In the hay. Yeah, in the hay, in a barn. Like, geez, we're really anyway. low, low-hanging fruit here. Um <laughs> But yeah, but I think even that relationship, right? Feyre describes it as just like, it's a way to meet her needs. Um, She says it's like the only escape, escape, but even that escape doesn't seem like very joyful for her. Yeah. Um, Well, I think she's like very cut off, like emotionally. Yeah. I mean, she's in the woods supplying for her family. She's starving. Yeah. Right. So things are not good. But I also think 
again, looking forward, even if you haven't read these books, let's be honest, you know, there's going to be love interests, probably more than one. You'd be correct. (laughs) So looking back at Isaac, first of all, you forget Isaac even exists. And I think that SJM writes him in the sense of like, just this really casual, bland sex love interest because of like the passion she eventually feels Mm. it seems so much greater because Mm. like you kind of saw her with this guy in the beginning and you're like yeah doesn't even compare to anything Mm -hmm. she has happened with her love interests yeah so he's really just kind of I think like a placeholder um and again sorry if you haven't read this and you like are team Isaac for some reason but (laughs) you don't last long let's skip ahead a little bit um so after she comes back from the village selling the wolf. Yeah, we carcass. know things are bleak. Things are shitty. So let's ramp things up a little bit. Yeah, so they're like all chilling at home. And all of a sudden there's a giant animal wolf creature thing like knocks down the door. And is like, who, what do you say? Who killed him? Yeah, <laughs> real dramatic. Yeah. Uh, and basically, yeah, he's like, pissed. That's like like the true male rage, you know? Yeah, he's raging hard. Yeah, so he literally knocks down their door, which, I mean, dude, it's a shack. Like, they're cold as is, and he's like, the door is no more. Yeah. So that's a little rude. Look how strong I am. Right. Like, rude. Um, so he basically knocks down the door, and he's just this talking beast thing. And in that interaction, Feyre finds out that the wolf she killed was a fae. And she does debate that. In the beginning, like, is this a fae? Yeah. And she's like, nah. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, well, it's going down. (laughs) And guess what? It was a fae. And yes, I just looked as well. So yeah. He did bust down and just said, who killed him? Oh, yeah. See? Anyways. But, um, so he comes in and he's like saying, oh, because you killed the wolf, like, now you have to come with me, like a life for a life kind of thing. Right. Like, he tells her, okay, there's a treaty. And you have to give your life for his life. You can either be murdered by me right now or yeah. come live the remainder of your life in Printhian. Um, Printhian. So we're going to say it different. <laughs> both of us, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> and so he says this treaty. And even she's like, I've never heard of this treaty. <laughs> and he's like, well, it exists. So let's go, sister. Um, and she went. And, she, and so here's my thing with that. Like, again... When he knocks on the door in the book, she's holding a, a knife or whatever she's holding to defend her family. Yeah. And again, the youngest girl. <laughs> like, are they not embarrassed? Yeah, they were cowering in the corner. Like, how fucking pathetic. I don't yeah. care. Okay, the dad can't walk and hunt. Fine. You can, like, prop yourself up on the table and, like, <laughs> at least make an effort to, like, look like you're trying. You know? He, they don't care. Right. That's so, it. And basically, they're like, yeah, see you later, Feyre. <laughs> so yeah, she's like, like her dad encouraged her to go. So she was like, all right, I'm going. And then he stole her in the dead of night and right. took her into his land. Yeah. And I will say, although they willingly let her go, which is messed up, her dad does have some nice parting words for her. Mm-hmm. You know, he... Says to her, you were always too good for here, Feyre. Too good for us. Too good for everyone. Which, like, yes, you made sure of that by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Great. But then he does say to her, her his last, last word to her is, Feyre, you go somewhere new and you make a name for yourself. Which I think is just so smart 
of SJM because she does. Like, she does make an actual, literal new yeah. name for herself. So I think that was just such, like, a nice little, like, ooh. Like, on the second reread, you're, like, yeah. nice. <laughs> and she does. Yeah, and you're just, like, pumped for her. You're, like, fuck her family. <laughs> Get out of there, Feyre. <laughs> Better shit is waiting for you. Yeah. Grass is greener. Right. Literally. And so, yeah, so he drags her into Prithian. Prithian. Prithian? Prithian. Okay. So, yeah, she's over the wall. She's in the Feylands. And immediately the imagery completely changes. Oh, like, my God. Everything is so bright. Mm-hmm. Like, the grass was greener. Literally. <laughs> and, like, she even says that. Like, she's like, well, I feared them my whole life. And it's so pretty. Yeah. And everything is nice. Like, she literally rolls up on this horse <laughs> to a beautiful... After being in a coma. <laughs> right. Oh, because they knocked her out before. <laughs> yeah, magic. Uh, to a beautiful, like, sprawling hill manor with, like, flowers. Yeah. Mind you, it's winter at home. It's, it's giving, like, spring. Like, yeah, it's giving, like, French countryside, like... Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, huh? And she's like, oh, it's, like, warm. Like, I don't know. It's, like negative 20 back home <laughs> i like walked for a day and now it's spring there's butterflies Magic. it's great and so even though which i think is crazy even through all of that right she even admits to it like oh i feared them i thought it'd be like terrible and it's beautiful but she's still plotting her escape yeah. <laughs> like, she wanted to get out she had because she had that vow to her mom that mm. she would take care of them so her mom was dying right she's on her deathbed and i guess she chose pharah to be the one that you know she was like you have to take care of them you have to provide for them like you have to do it for them because no one else is going to do it so pharah has in her mind that like this is why i'm going out every day into the woods to kill these animals is so that you know we don't starve because ain't nobody else in the house gonna be doing that for them right so i guess that is a good point that she wants to escape because she wants to fulfill that promise to her mom but like you just said it's crazy that she chose Feyre she was like my husband and my other two daughters useless not doing anything (laughs) right so yes that is a good point and so now she's in Prithian that's it um and so as we get into Prithian we see the beast in human form um so she's talking about him it's this beautiful blonde haired male so right off the bat blonde I'm like oof okay here we go. It won't last long. Right. <laughs> but she's taken with him. And on top of him being blonde, one of the things she notices about him is he's wearing this mask. <laughs> um, and she's she, just into masks, man. I don't know. Right. And she even says, she goes, oh, it must be some weird fae fashion. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, all right, dude. Actually, you're on a masquerade. Right. And she's like, didn't you get the memo? Right. He's like, ah, I'm underdressed. (laughs) Right. And so he's wearing a mask. He's beautiful. Um, And then we're introduced to this stranger. Who's also wearing a mask. (laughs) Everyone's wearing a mask. Even the handmaid. Yeah. Even all of us. Yes. Yes. So we're introduced to all these people, right? She comes to spring court. She sees these two males wearing masks. And also what's really interesting, what we noticed on the reread is we find out the blonde male the beast is tamlin and this red-headed male with a scar down his face his name is lucian and we don't learn their names 
from introduction. No. We learn them in conversation. It's almost like they didn't want her to know their names. Yes, but it's like, did you not think she was going to find that out eventually? Yeah. But yeah, there's no introductions. There's no politeness. They introduce her handmaid, Alice. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, like not us. It's not like hi, I'm Lucian, or hi, I'm Tamlin. No, she learns. I'm Tamlin, the one who you know stole you over the wall. Right. No. Now you're mine. Yeah. No, he doesn't do any of that. So we learn these three people's names indirectly or directly. We see they're all wearing masks. She thinks it's just some weird fashion. Okay, great. So now, on top of that, when we do meet her handmaid, um, she's the only one who seems to be even being remotely nice to Feyre. Right? Like, not like super nice though. She's kind of, she's not being as cold, I guess you could say. Right. She, she's still like a little sassy. Yeah. Which I like about her. Yeah, for sure. But what I like about her is that, you know, she shows her to her room. She, you know, whatever, shows her the ropes, where she's going to be. And you had made that point that she's the first one to tell her like, you know, no matter what you hear, where you are, whatever, just keep your ears open. Yes, and I think with Alice, right, she's the only one kind of cluing favor in this early to, hey, there's shit going on, keep your ears open, be aware of yourself. Again, she's the only one who, yes, she is a little cold, but she's cluing favor in too. Stuff is amiss, be aware. The other two, again, didn't even introduce themselves yeah. and are just like, all right, See yeah, you later. The vibes are, like, definitely off. Yes. And I don't think you can blame it on, like, hi, I'm the newcomer in your home. No, vibes are off. Yeah. And so they basically leave her with Alice <laughs> and are like, hey, all you got to do is join us for dinner. Okay, great. And so Alice helps her get ready, whatever. She, she refuses to wear a dress. She does. She says no. And the reason for that is she's like, how can I escape in a dress? Yeah. <laughs> I need to bring pants so I can run away from these fucking freaks. Yes. And so she goes downstairs and automatically Tamlin tells her her hair is clean. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Oh, you took a shower today. Great. Yeah. And even Lucian um, makes a comment and goes, yeah, he's a little rusty with females. Like, he, even he's like embarrassed yeah. for him. <laughs> Like, he's like, dude, brutal. Like, that wasn't even close. You couldn't even say, like, oh, you look nice now that you showered. Like, it still could have been the same vibe. Just not that. Yeah. Imagine a guy told you, like, on your first dinner, hey, your hair is clean. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Uh, I gotta go, bro. <laughs> yeah. And I think she also is like, thanks. Like, okay yeah i think she just like didn't know how to respond no she's probably like what in the hell like here was this giant beast like just like abducted me from my family and now he's complimenting that my hair is clean mm-hmm. and on top of his lame ass compliment he also in this dinner strongly underestimates her yes so he basically you know well backtracking a little bit he cues her in on this you know sickness in the land and it's been going on for the past like 50 years which is like a major plot point for this book right because throughout it it's always like oh the sickness like oh like what's really going on so it kind of adds to that like veil of mystery like what what is actually going on here why are the vibes off Mm -hmm. um and basically 
he goes into how why they're wearing masks is a part of the reason why the sickness is here. So a part of that is like all his powers are reduced and mm-hmm. so it's like they're all very diminished. Right. And he even says like, cool, we've had this sickness here. These masks are stuck because of it. My powers are, you know, low as our Lucians, as are pretty much everyone in our court. And so we're kind of clued into that. And she's learning just a little bit about them in their dinner, right? And they're also trying to learn more about her as well. Yes. But they say that, but not really. Like, they say, oh, we're trying to get to know you, and they're asking her questions. Well, they ask her about the barn boy. Yes. Are you in love? Right. And that's (laughs) so weird to me. Like, that's one of the first questions they ask her. And she even says... Is this really what you care to know about me? If I find you more handsome than human men and if I have a man back home. And she's like, this is weird. <laughs> like, they just stole me and they're asking about this man back in my village. Yeah. I don't know. It's like that. Yeah. Not a fan. But later on, you know, then Tamlin goes on to say, you know, um, go rest. Like, we have a busy few days. The, the staff of the house, they'll come and help you. And she was like, why are you being so nice? Like, why are you being so generous to me? And Tamlin says, like, oh, you're insignificant enough not to ruffle this estate unless you decide to start killing us. Like, okay, so then now insult her, too. Yeah, so on top – yeah. And now that's, like, a blatant insult. So on top of your lame-ass compliment, (laughs) you now are, like, you're pretty insignificant. So really just – We're not afraid of you. Striking out. Even though you just killed one of my top soldiers. Yeah, and that's the thing too, right? He's calling her significant. You just killed one of your like best sentinels. Yeah, sentinels. Sentinels. <laughs> Isn't that? I think I was thinking like lentil. <laughs> Not the lentils. Not the lentils. <laughs> oh my god. So yes, okay. So basically, we're getting just the vibe that Fabra is underestimated. They're not loving her vibe at all. Now, amid this, right, she is kind of trying her best, I think, to share about herself, right? So she does talk about Isaac a little, but she also discloses that her mom died of typhus when she was eight. So now on the first read, you're like, cool, plot. On the second read, and after reading all of SJM's works, do we believe that her mom died of typhus? Okay. So I feel like this could, you know, now we're just hypothesizing. But mm-hmm. I think I would say that her mom just did die and in the process created all this trauma for her family and, you know, the three sisters. Yeah. And so we're going to discuss um, – future book so spoiler alert if you don't want to hear it just skip ahead a little bit but right so Nesta does mention yes the mom you know she resents the father because when the mom was dying he didn't do anything to save her while she was like rotting away in bed so yes okay that does point to the fact that maybe she'd really die of typhus but I don't know because we have seen a lot of theories online yeah so there has been word that, you know, maybe their mother was a fae, fairy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't remember exactly what was said. 
because mm-hmm. it was like a while back when we were first reading the series. Um, but people were saying like just the way that things were connecting and, you know, maybe she was chosen because of the fey blood that runs in her veins. Right. And again, spoiler, so skip ahead if necessary. But as we learn more about Nesta and Elaine and the powers they manifest, what are the chances these three human girls manifest these such powerful fey identities, right? And I just... But however, I do feel like, I don't know, because we do find out that Feyre has her powers because she got it from all the High Lords. And they were made, right? So I, yeah, so it could go either way, right? Maybe she did just die of typhus and this is all theory for no reason. But we just don't know enough about Mama Archeron to like I know. make me feel comfy. I wonder if she's going to come full circle. Yeah, like I feel like SJM needs to explain more of that. Yeah. And maybe she doesn't. Maybe it really is just a plot device of getting the story started. Unsure. Yeah. But so keep that in mind. I don't know. Maybe we will find more about that. Um, but so after that whole point when she's getting to know them, Feyre automatically takes a liking to Lucian, um, which is great. She's hanging out with him. I think she likes his kind of blunt banter, honestly. She finds it refreshing. Um, So she's hanging out with him more. And amid their hangout... I think he's also less scary than Tamlin. Agreed. Like, the way he's described is, like, more, maybe, like, approachable. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, he just seems friendly, like a little puppy. Like, I think I would gravitate towards Lucian way before Tamlin. I just hate blonde men okay <laughs> sorry if you're a blonde man <laughs> i'm like ooh, a ginger fiery her fiance has all the dark features so go figure right so that's okay to say <laughs> um so she is hanging out with lucian who knows why maybe she has a thing for gingers i support it and so when they're hanging out lucian mentions a her we don't know who this her is but it was very vague and kind of like ooh, what's that about now, also, funnily enough, when she's hanging out with Lucian, our little Tammy boy is getting a little jealous, yeah. um, which is funny because I think he almost feels this entitlement, like, why is she not hanging out with me? Which I just think is an interesting point. Um, so, yeah, he's a little bitter about it. Well, well, stay bitter, loser. Right. Like, maybe don't compliment that her hair is clean. Amen. Read a book. Correct. <laughs> Watch <Love> a video. <laughs> Uh, and then as the story progresses now we're kind of getting glimpses into you know what it's actually like here in Prithian yeah it's great it's beautiful the spring court is the French countryside but now we're getting introduced to some monsters Mm -hmm. so we first meet this one called the bogey Mm -hmm. the bog whatever you want to bogey bogey right I do I think it's called. It could be wrong, (laughs) but that's what I say as well. Whatever. So she meets the bogey, and after that, she meets the puka, Mm -hmm. and which is I thought was interesting that the puka can shape shift or whatever it is. So he he comes in as her father, and she sees him through the window, and she's like, "Oh my god, my dad came to save me! Like I have to go out and meet him and go home with him." And Tamlin's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And she was like, "My father, he's out there," and he's like. Are you an idiot? Like, no. Like, that's what the puka. Like, well, because even Tamlin's like, you moron. A, your father's crippled. B, he would never come save you. <laughs> so, like, poor thing. Just broke her heart. But yeah. So 
she's seeing all these like spooky fairies, which also, yeah, the fact that the puka can shapeshift like that, like spooky. I don't like that. I was almost more unsettled happy by Halloween. that. <laughs> yeah, happy Halloween all. I was more unsettled by the puka than the bogey, I think. Just because the bogey, like, don't look at it. Cool. Keep it moving. Yeah. And you know what? The, I remember the first time I was reading this, I was like, there's no way in hell her father is here right now. Like, he just let her go with this beast. And now all of a sudden he knew where to come and he's showing up, like, in the back of the manor and is like, hey, like, waving at her, like, through the window. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, peeking out. Like, oh, how am I going to get out of here? Right. Like, just, I don't know. Insane. But going along with that, um... So they're obviously spending a lot of time together because really it seems like there's only four people in this house. Her, Alice, <laughs> Damon, and Lucian. Right, she has no one else to hang out with. with. Like, okay, this giant manor and it's just the four of them. Sus. Like, that kind of sounds like the beginning of, like, a murder mystery. But <laughs> anyways, so we start to see that Feyre is starting to have some compassion. Mm. For Tamlin, because yeah, she's starting to really be in the Stockholm syndrome kind of thing, because Tamlin had to go out and kill the bogey, right? And I felt like he was like painted like the pained male, you know? Yes, and of course, you know, I think I agree. She's having compassion, which again, that's how you know it all goes downhill. And you know, getting back injured, and she's like. I need to take care of him. Tending to his wounds. And and I really feel like that's the start of their love story. Even though it's not necessarily romantic or physical, I feel like, again, like you said, the fact that she has compassion for this Faye, who, again, mm-hmm. her whole life she's been taught to fear, and now she's mending his wounds, and she's feeling for him, and is like, oh, my God, he's you know protecting us and his land, and she's admiring him. What a man. Right. She's really fallen for this bullshit. Which, did we fall for this the first read? I think I did for sure. Yeah. Probably. I would imagine so. Because it is. It's painted that way. You're like, how noble. Yeah. How amazing. And we first read the series like two years ago. Yeah. Which, wow, that's really crazy. And I just also want to mention a specific comment that he makes in the infirmary. So he ends up saying, as she's mending his wounds, right? Again, with one of these stupid, horrible, (laughs) non-compliments. He says, you aren't what I expected for a human. And she literally goes, I didn't reply. (laughs) And she walked out. Because even she's like, cool. I just like had a nice moment with you. I tended to your wounds. And that's what you say? Yeah, he just... I, I don't know what is wrong with this guy, but he's really not making it easy for no, her. No, he's not. And yet she's still finding a way to be drawn to him. Yes. Like, Feyre, you should just give it up. Absolutely. And so now, she's kind of just adapting to her life in the manner. Great. And so he brings her to the library. Yeah. So in the library, there's this giant mural on the wall. And basically the mural shows the creation and like the story of Prithian. So basically how it starts is there's this cauldron and it's being held by these female hands um, in like a starry, endless night. And then the hands tip over and this 
fluid pours out of the cauldron and it goes all over the lands of Prithian. Um, and, you know, it's described that it's gorgeous. And she's just kind of like marveling at this story. And, you know, from, I feel like from a reader's perspective, it's almost like, okay, like we're in this one part of Prithian and like, yeah, it's nice, but there's this whole other area to it. Because if you look at the map mm-hmm. in the beginning of the book, her lands, like the mortal lands, is like a very small sliver. Right. And I think SJM does a great job in this book by keeping a lot of our story to the spring court, just because cool we're being introduced to the Fae in general. So keeping it to a small court instead of all of Prithian, as a reader, keeps us kind of, okay, we can grasp this, Mm -hmm. we understand. We're being introduced to all these new Fae concepts, but at least we're in a small geographic location. Yeah. And I think that makes it easier, but I think- It's palatable, you know? Absolutely. (laughs) And I think this map is our first introduction into the fact, okay, there is more, there's a lot more to Prithian, And there's a lot more that she's not being told. Absolutely. And I think she's starting to be aware of that, right? And so as she's in this manner, she's starting to realize, hey, I'm a little pissed that no one is giving me (laughs) any answers. None. She's like asking things. She's pretty much just going through her day, waking up, required to go to one dinner at night. And that's it, just roaming around. Yeah, she like walks through the gardens. Yeah, like how Alice braids her hair for her. Like, what? Is, she's not really doing much, right? Which sounds lovely for like maybe two days. Yeah, but she's like, okay, like what is happening? And so she's pissed. She's not getting answers, and so she goes to Lucian and she's like, "Hey, how do I track the cereal? Which is this breed of fae that basically has to answer any question truthfully, right? They're bound to answer your questions with truth." And kind of, if they won't give her answers, she figures the cereal will be able to. And so Lucian tells her how to track the cereal. And so she tracks it and she captures this, our favorite gossip girl. And he didn't believe that she would be able to catch it. Right. Again, again underestimating her. Yes, exactly. And so she snares it with a raw chicken and a snare. Yeah. That's it. She's like, cool. And mind you, didn't he say in the book, like, oh, like, if hypothetically, like, you were to catch it, like, I'll be around. If yeah. something were to go amiss. Right. Yes. He does it. Up. And he's not there when something goes amiss. And he does mention like he hesitated and he apologizes because yeah. he's almost like, I think he battled with himself about, oh, like. Maybe she almost went. It. Well, I think he almost wanted her to not die. Oh, no, shit. Sure. <laughs> but he, I think was like, she screamed and he didn't automatically have any compassion for her. Big friend. Kind of. But I think that's when their friendship really starts, too, when he was like, I should have saved you. Yeah. But so backtracking slightly, she does capture it. Good for you, girlfriend. Don't let them underestimate you. And so she's asking the serial, you know, what do you know about Tamlin? And he literally is like, oh, the High Lord of Springcourt. And she's like, <laughs> what? Well, that's pretty big. <laughs> yep, that'd be one of those things. So that's she's shocked. On top of that. He also tells her, be sure to stay with the High Lord. Now, that's one of these funky little things the serial says where we should note for future mm-hmm. books. So as SJM I, says one thing, but means something completely different. Yeah, and I just feel like that's why I mentioned, we don't know if the serial is actually a girl, but our fave tea spilling gossip girl. Yeah, XOXO. Yeah, 
we stand the cereal hardcore. <laughs> so always loves to just drop bombs and be like, see you later. Yeah. Or like say something and mean something totally different. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the cereal does say to stay with the High Lord. And Feyre's like, okay, I will. <laughs> I guess I'll stay with Tamlin. Right. And so, but she thinks that, she, okay, great. Yeah. I'm with the High Lord and it's Tamlin and we're great. But we also learn more from the cereal. Yeah, so she kind of gets like a little bit more than what she bargained for. So the cereal like, you know, tells her about Tamlin and all this shit. But then he goes on to be like, oh, yeah. And did you know that there's this king across the water and his he rules Highburn and he, he's a high fae, but he's not a high lord. No, he's the king. Right. And he's pissed. He's really pissed about this treaty that the fae signed with the humans because he was like the humans did all their work for them. And they've been reduced to nothing. They're not trading with Highburn. They've been isolated because they wanted to keep the old ways. Right. So we're learning more about Perthian's history. And now on top of that map we just saw of Perthian, how big it is, we're learning about another continent across the sea. So the world is just getting bigger. And you're learning more dynamics, right? That war that was fought with the humans, you're learning more dynamics and who's pissed about it, who's not, what's going on. Yeah. And then poor... You know, poor Feyren. <laughs> this girl just keeps getting hit, bro. So then we're introduced to more monsters. These ones are called the Naga, and they're coming while she's talking to the Surreal. And he's like, free me, free me, please. Like, I need to get out of here. And she does. She lets him go. And Tamlin comes and, of course, you know, takes out the rest of the Naga. And I kind of feel like that was a leeway into how much Tamlin is now maybe starting to feel for mm-hmm. Feyre because, okay, now he's, like, protecting her. Right, and I think... Because if he, if he, okay, if he was, if there's this treaty or whatever, like, a life for a life kind of thing, she's there. Okay, well, if you're pissed, if the Naga were to take her out, you'd be happy. Right, you'd be like, cool. Yeah, but he fights for her. Right, and I think, so as we had mentioned before, how Lucian hesitates and doesn't come save her, a, I think it does support their character arc and like their friendship. And he's like, oh, I kind of do care for this human, right? Mm-hmm. He's battling that. But I think Lucian hesitating also opened the plot for Tamlin to come save her. And that serves purpose to their story, right? We're seeing he has compassion for her. He wants to save mm-hmm. her. And I think he's realizing in that moment, wow, I did react and save her. Mm-hmm. And I do have some kind of feelings for a human, whether it's romantic or not at this point, but I wanted to save her. And I think that's relevant because he then also mentions the war 500 years ago because he says, oh, you know, humans and Fae fought alongside each other in that war. And she had no idea that this was a thing. And I think the reason to share that for him, he's almost like, oh, it's okay for Faye and humans to get along and to be together. And it's showing him it's okay to care for her. And it's also showing her, like, all Faye aren't bad. Even 500 years ago, they were fighting on behalf of the humans. You know what I'm saying? And so they kind of both in that moment break down the barriers between the two of their people. And in that moment... He takes this little kernel of kindness and he tells her the truth about the glamour he put on her family. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, wait. I just want to interject real quick. What do tell? Okay, so do you think, you know, circling back to the point that he's kind of mad that, like, her and Lucian are buddy-buddy now, mm-hmm. do you think all of this is just, like, him to, like, assert his dominance and be like, no, like, Ooh. I'm the one you should want. Like, look, I saved you. And look, I'm helping your family. Like, they think you're fine. Yeah. I mean, maybe, right? Like, do you think this is manipulation? Mm, it could be, in a, in a sense. But I also think... Maybe at this point, she was just bonding with Lucian more because he's kind of, again, less intimidating. Mm-hmm. It could be manipulation, but it could also just be him making a pretty valid point, actually, of like, I'm doing more for you than Lucian is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, true. So maybe manipulation, but also maybe just the genuine truth mm-hmm. of that he's doing more, right? Maybe he feels like slighted. Right. And so he's like, just pointing it out now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he does tell her about this glamour he put on her family, right? And basically, he tells her, okay, I put this glamour on your family. They think you're with an aunt. They think you're fine. (laughs) Rich aunt. Where did she come from? Yeah, but she's there. They don't remember me busting into your house. They're taken care of, and they're fed, and they're doing great, right? And so now, this is also a huge turning point for Feyre, because after she finds out her family is not meeting, doesn't even know that she is captured. She's like, hey, I really want to paint. And that's something we've seen from the beginning, that she loves painting, but just didn't have the means or time to do so, right? And so in learning her family's fine, she finally gets vulnerable enough and feels secure enough to say, instead of just wandering around this mansion like an aimless moron, I would like to paint and do something with my time. Yeah. And so that's a big point for her and a big stepping stone. And he even goes on to, you know, extend a hand and be like, oh, like, I'll help you write a letter to them because she's illiterate. And she's like, leave me alone. Like, I don't need your help. And he's like, well, I'm not insulting you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, um, you know, for a girl who could take down a fairy in wolf skin and, and snare the cereal and kill two Naga on her own, like, they're fools, fools for not seeing it. Men- like, talking about her family, like, how could they not realize, you know, all that she was doing for them? And, you know, they got real vulnerable. And he was like, do you even know how to laugh? Because, you know, she's been going through such like a harsh exterior because she's had to be hard. And I think that's a huge point for him as well, right? Because we've mentioned several times he underestimates her. And I think finally yeah. he's like, wow, she did kill Andres. She did snare the cereal. She did kill Tunaga. And I think he also, he's kind of hating on her family, but like he was doing the same shit. Yeah. But it's nice that he's like, oh, this girl's kind of legit. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, met my match. <laughs> but um, so after they have this nice little vulnerable moment, you know, let's just amp things up a little bit more. So out of nowhere, <laughs> this, it's like the middle of the night, right? Yeah. And Tamlin, is it Tamlin who hauls in this like dying fairy i think him and lucian yeah they're just the wings are ripped off no lucian had to leave he was he was gonna throw up yeah <laughs> pussy poor guy but so tamlin hauls in this fairy the wings are gone and you know Thera instead of like cowering in a corner she like runs up to him and holds the fairy's hands and he's saying like i don't want to die alone and she was like i'll be right here like don't worry about it and you know at this point they both know that there's no saving this mm-hmm. this guy. Um, and I really liked how Sarah J. Mass incorporated this um, prayer, mm-hmm. the cauldron prayer for like yeah, when yeah. somebody dies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't, I just think that like, that was like a nice little, I guess kind of showed how like, yeah, they're these scary people. Again, just to further that point that they're not who they're painted out to be. Right. At least they aren't these soulless creatures. They're actually very spiritual. And I think we learn more about the Fae in this moment, but we also see Feyre's character arc, right? She, again, believed all those things about the Fae, that they were these scary, soulless monsters. And now here she is holding this fairy's hand as he dies. And I think that's just showing that she's growing compassion for the fairies in general, general. right? Yeah. And that continues on after the fairy does pass and she's talking to Tamlin. She apologizes for killing Andres and Mm -hmm. she says, I'm so sorry. So we see her growing too and having remorse and starting to feel for these fairies. Yeah. And she even goes on to say like, I'm so sorry. I had like all this hate in my heart. Like I wish I could undo it. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't even say anything. He walks away. <laughs> yeah. They're both not great with the compliments or communication. No. See a therapist. Okay. So then after Feyre helps the fairy and all this blood, Tamlin, of course, is like, let's go on a nice outing. He's trying to put the moves on her. He's trying to woo her. <laughs> After this traumatic experience. Oh, yeah. You want to go out? Hey, why not, right? Um, so Tamlin takes her to, as he quotes, his favorite haunt as a boy. Of course. <laughs> wow, swooning. So it's this, um, was this this pond of starlight? Yeah, and it's she makes a comment to him saying, oh, it looks like starlight. And he's like, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> so romantic um and he even goes on to say like this is pretty and like anything is possible right um, or nothing is impossible right and there are theories about this starlight pond could it be something more is it just a nice little area on the spring court we don't know um but i think it's just worth mentioning that people do theorize like could this be something bigger yeah and while they're at this um pool um you know tamlin's like oh like let's go swimming unclothe and jump in (laughs) and she's like what no i can't do that in front of a high lord (laughs) oh she's like all modest right and um so while they're there you know they start talking and it's like you know tamlin's it seems like he's like getting comfortable with feyra and so he starts talking with her and he even like spills the beans on like Lucian's story, like his background about how he had um, his girlfriend or whoever she was. And then his father butchered her in front of him. Yeah. Literally killed her in front of him. Yeah. And it was literally just because he deemed her like unworthy. Unworthy. (laughs) Yeah. So he just tells Lucian's backstory, you know, and now he's bringing her to these places. Because she was in high fae. That's yes. why. Yeah. And so they're just getting real comfy together. And on top of that, which I find this part just brutal, he is like writing her little limericks and poems, <laughs> which I'm just like, I think even my first read, I was like, ooh, that's a little corny. Yeah. I was um, like, mm, don't really like that. And then the second read, it's just unbearable. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you're not cool, bro. Right. And so we do. But they're see- not even like nice. No, they're like dirty and funny. Yeah. So it's just corny. Yeah. I don't know. But Bad on top luck. of them getting comfortable, and I see that, and I guess some part of me respects it, but Tamlin's only telling her 
things that are convenient for him. So he tells her Lucian's story. He tells her, oh, here I visited here as a kid, like kind of trying to be vulnerable. But that being said, he's also then going forward, telling her like half truths. So he eventually opens up to her, which quote unquote, and he tells her, oh, my brothers and my father were killed by an enemy court's high lord, right? And so that pisses me off. So spoiler alert, again, if you haven't read the series yet, skip ahead a little bit. But we find out later on that that was Reese and his father who do that. And there's a whole backstory in the sense of Tamlin and his family killed their mother and sister. Yeah. So you're saying this pity story. <laughs> like, feel bad for me. Yeah. And it was your guy's fault. Yeah. So he's telling her things that are convenient for him. So again, now we're all good. No more spoilers for the moment. Back into it. So he talks about that. He talks about his family's death. Convenient for him. Then he also mentions this thing called Calamai. And he goes, oh. Good old Calamai. Right. And he goes, The party oh. to be at. Well, she can't be at it. No. <laughs> He's oh, like, by the way, you're not invited. Right. It's the place to be, but not you. <laughs> and so he tells her, oh, it's fire night. And she asks, what does it celebrate? And he just tells her it's a spring ceremony. We like bonfires. We create magic that helps regenerate the land for the year ahead, right? Now, number one, I want to mention, I really appreciate how SJM coincides her holidays for the Fae with different pagan holidays um, and different things like that because I think it's just really cool and it's a little truthful aspect to her story. A little twist. Right. And so Feyre, after he mentions that, she goes, how do you create the magic? And he says, (laughs) there's a ritual, but it's very fairy. So again, (laughs) mentions this, right? She's like, oh, cool. He's opening up to me about fey culture. He's lying. Like he, he neglects to tell her anything about it, which we will get to. Yeah, and so the fact that he's neglecting this, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> like just saying. You suck. So yeah, so that's my beef with Tamlin. I think the fact that he is quote unquote opening up and being vulnerable, but like cool dude, it's where it's convenient for you, and then you're neglecting mentioning things that make you seem bad when yeah there's parts of you that are kind of shitty yeah a lot of parts right the bad is outweighing the good from the reader's perspective absolutely yes all right so enough about tamlin and his foolish ways so Um, many (laughs) so now we're introduced to like another monster at this part so many monsters so many um so we meet the adder Mm -hmm. and the adder is this disgusting, foul creature, and Tamlin like tells Feyre like to go away, like whatever you hear, don't come out, whatever. And so he's having this conversation with this creature, and there's mentions of a she. Again, right? Lucian and- had mentioned a she, and now it's like again being brought up. Yeah, and. You know, so Lucian and Tamlin are talking to the Adder, and he's like, you speak so ill of someone who holds your fate in her hands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, 
this uh, again this mystery of like okay what the hell is going on like i can only imagine pharaoh being like every time something crazy's happened i'm shoved out of the way and afterwards they're not elaborating on what was going down so time after time again she gets shut out but for the reader i feel like this is very pivotal because now it's like okay again re-emphasizing like this she this she and you know the adder's like okay like don't worry like your your time will come and tamlin's like fuck you bro right and uh, you just said it's pivotal and i completely agree because even the chapter ends and she says i trudged back to the house contemplating who this she was to make tamlin and lucian so nervous and to command that thing as her messenger, right? So she's also starting to be like, what's going on? And so we end the chapter with that and kind of have this contemplative space. And then in SJM fashion, it's Catalina day. <laughs> so it's like, forget all that. Let's let's figure out what this is. This book is like very hot and cold. It is. Now that like we're talking about it, it's yeah, like something very sad and tragic. And then it's like, Oh, now we're dancing. And- right. And it's always like chapters are very contradicting, I guess. Like the Fae will have his wings ripped off and it's like, hey, let's go see some starlight yeah. ponds. Or like, ooh, what's this mystery? Well, now we have Calamai, so who cares? But it's slowly like building off of yes. each other. It's almost to the point where you get distracted of the overall mystery. Yes. But then it always comes back. Right? And so... Today's Calamai day, so forget that big mystery and let's just go into this. So Tamlin tells her, stay inside, do not come outside. He walks out. Even Lucian's like, yeah, you don't want to be there, bro. Yeah, and he walks out shirtless with a baldric across his chest, like, give me a break. So whatever. So eventually she's like, yes, I'll stay inside. Then all these drums start beating and she's like, oh, I'm going. Yeah, she's like entranced. (laughs) Right, and so... Can you just imagine her, like, as a human, like, what the hell's going on here? Like, let me join the club, you know? Honestly, if you're in your room and you hear, like, these, like, drums, like... She was having FOMO. Yeah. I would trudge myself over there. (laughs) I'd be like, well, this sounds like a way better time than I'm having in my room. (laughs) So she runs over there. And, of course, immediately she gets in trouble. (laughs) So she runs into these, these three creepos. And it's basically these guys, and they're trying to grab at her. You know, they see she's vulnerable by herself. Um, and Things so, are not going to end well. Yeah, exactly. But yes. then our savior comes. <laughs> our lord and savior. Our lord and savior, Reese's Christ. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Thank you. Coming back. So, well, we don't know his name yet, I guess, in theory. But all you hear is that someone gets these guys away from her and he says, There you are. I've been looking for you, said a deep, sensual male voice I've never heard. Automatically, as a reader, I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, what intense first words to say to someone. I know. And those will also be important. We will discuss them. Like um, me? You've been looking for me? I'm like, yes. Well, because she good. follows that with um, standing before me was the most beautiful man I'd, I've ever seen. Right. So, so forget Tamlin. Right. <laughs> and here's my thing. So as I mentioned, your girl Jamie is not a fan of the blonde men. 
So the next chapter starts saying his short black hair gleamed. Already I'm like, yes. <laughs> Sensual voice, beautiful man, dark hair. I'm like, I need to know who you are. Oh, it's which is set up for the morally gray. Which I'm all about. Of course. And I'm sure SJM knows that we are all emotionally stunted and love this. <laughs> well, I mean, what sane person is reading these books? Right. And then he, I also love this part. His voice was a lover's purr that sent shivers through me, caressing every muscle and bone and nerve. I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> like, she's now, we're on page 189. She has never spoken of Tamlin like this. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been giveaway number one. Right. So again, I guess maybe spoiler, like, we're big fans of this guy. Um, and so... He's there. We're automatically intrigued. We never learn his name in their whole conversation. No. He's very vague. He's very aloof. Um, but he saves her from those guys. He does. And so we're like, okay, he's mysterious, but he's also a savior. We love him. He eventually leaves and Lucian finds Feyre. Oops, she's in big trouble. Um, Cops show up. Right. And so amid Lucian finding her, right, he literally goes to her. It's the great right. Cauldron boil me. Didn't anyone tell you what it is? And she's like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> but here I am. Because again, Tamlin goes, oh, we regenerate the magic. So now basically Lucin tells her, oh, we do this every year. And Tamlin allows this magic to enter his body. And basically he turns into a hunter. His sole purpose <laughs> is to find the maiden. And from their coupling magic is released into the earth so basically yeah of course he didn't mention this to Feyre because he's gonna go screw some random girl yeah after they just swam in the starlight pond together right so it's absolutely ridiculous and he's like oh the ritual is very fey like no you're just a horn dog yeah <laughs> literally so this is where my beef with tamlin comes in and she's kind of give it to shocked, me <laughs> you know and so she, after this, Lucian goes, okay, you know what? Go back home. He can't see you here. Tonight's not for lovemaking. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she goes back home. So inside, this now, this is where I have beef with Tamlin. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, okay, granted, he's going to perform the right. If this is his, like, sacred duty as High Lord, okay, whatever. And it's not like him and Feyre are, like, you know. Official. Offic I guess, whatever. The lines are blurred right now. But so Feyre's in the house and Tamlin fucking comes in like a monster. Guns blazing. Yeah, he, he's just like too hot to handle right now. And he's like, I smelt you everywhere and I couldn't find you. And when he Creep. first Yes, and when he first sees her, I forgot this part. She's holding a cookie and he knocks it out of her hand. Automatically. No, not the cookie, bro. <laughs> I would have been pissed. Yeah. Same. But yeah, I don't know. He was just like on some possessive shit and you had made that point like, are we intrigued? Are we disgusted? Right. Because again, the first read, I'm trying to think back right now. I feel super icky, you know? Yeah. Because his possessiveness is something that's going to come up a lot in book two and we'll talk about that more. So now seeing it start here, I'm like, ooh, I'm getting the ick. But at the time, again, we love the morally gray. Yeah. So is this possessiveness where we kind of like, ooh, hot? Mm. I don't remember. And I feel like maybe because up until this point, their tension and sexual chemistry is building. Yeah. So 
I may have felt like a little like, ooh, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Like finally he's showing like some. Right. Because he's like, you know, his breath is tickling her ear. <laughs> um, but at the same time, then he bites her and then I can't yeah, no, lose it. Yeah, no. No, I was pissed off. Like who? Like he just bites her out of nowhere. He Doesn't snarls and yeah. Like. Yeah, he snarls. He like bite- an animal. <laughs> animal. Bites her on the neck. Yeah. I had to reread that. I was like, wait, I forgot this happened. And she's pissed. Yeah, because she's like, well, I mean, how would you feel? I mean, it does say that after he bit her, then he licked it. <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> um, now yeah, it's no. like, I don't know. I feel like he was dancing around, like, the whole relation, if you want to call it a relationship, the build up to this relationship with her. And then out of nowhere, he's just, like, rips off the mask and is like, now right. you're mine. Like, you don't even, like, make out with her. I think a passionate kiss would have sufficed. Yeah, but then he follows that with, like, telling her, like, oh, don't ever disobey me again. Who oh, the fuck are you? Right. So that's the thing. I think the little possessiveness, like, oh, I looked for you. I was kind of like, ooh, ha. Then he bit her and I was like, that's a little much because you haven't even kissed yet. And then, like, a real kiss. And then he tells her, don't ever disobey me again. And I'm like, back the fuck up. But she also does, too. She says, don't tell me what to do. And don't bite me like some enraged beast. And I was like, you go, girl. You Mm -hmm. go, girl. Yeah. Because, I I don't know. I just feel like he had the chance to make that hot. And he did it. Yeah. Oh, he has no moves. No, he has yeah. no riz. No, no, no riz whatsoever. None at all. And I think, <laughs> yeah, he just between the poems and your hair is clean. I feel like Tamlin's like that try hard kid in school that like thinks he's like hot shit. Like he is attractive, but mm-hmm. like he just tries way too hard. Well, that's like I'm sure a bunch of you have seen like the TikToks with like that blonde guy like dancing like really weird with a little <laughs> wig on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like that is literally how I imagine him. Like, Didn't exactly. they use him in memes when he's playing his fiddle? Yes. Yeah. That's, like, that's just, what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just hate it. And so my my favorite part about all this, right? Bites her, they go to bed, whatever. After Calamai ends, things just go on as normal. Like, completely normal as if this never happened. The only mention of it is the next morning at breakfast, Lucian's like, what's on your neck? <laughs> and Fair's like, ask him. And he's like what and then <laughs> what did she, i miss and then she's like he bit me and he goes what did you bite her <laughs> like he's so confused but things are normal for all other things right by all meanings they just move on with their lives which i think is so weird and so now he just takes her to a grassy glen <laughs> like hey nice little wholesome date after i just mauled again you yeah <laughs> weird but okay and so in this grassy glen, there's like a weeping willow. It's beautiful. And in this moment, Tam and Tamlin removes the glamour from her. So now she can hear the weeping willow singing. She sees him and she's talking about how absolutely beautiful he is. And she's mm-hmm. taken with him. She wishes she could see him without the mask. And she's just loving everything. Everything is just magic. But instead of being scared of that, she's embracing it right i feel like she's like on the path to be like a lovesick puppy right and i think this is really where we see the change in favor so after he removes the glamour i think this is a huge turning point and so on top of the glamour being gone 
She's now painting pretty regularly. Not only is she painting, but she also shows Tamlin her paintings, which I think is a very vulnerable moment for her. She also, for the first time, wears a dress to dinner. I my jaw dropped. Alice was shocked. I was like, who are you? And she says it won't be maybe an everyday thing, but she wants to try it. But the fact that she's even trying it and wants to be feminine and I think impress him. She's in her soft girl era. Right. She's like, I'm going to paint these pretty flowers and wear a dress. I love it. And she also, which I think is a huge moment, she doesn't lock her door like for the first time. Yeah. So we go from a character. Where she was literally making booby traps. Yes. We go from a character who's making booby traps to like now she's not even like using the stupid little tiny lock. Like she's yeah. like, come in if you want. Invitation's open. Right. She's like, read into this how you will, Tamlin. <laughs> um, and so I think for us, we're choosing to end this podcast here because we're seeing a huge change in Pharaoh. All these things that she's doing, she's becoming vulnerable. She's painting. She's feeling safety that she never had at home. And is really embracing this fey life and yeah. being in Prithian. And so that's where we're going to end part one, guys. Let's go. And after this, shit picks up real quick. Yeah, a lot of this was world building and just kind of setting the story. Right, setting the story. Yeah. Um. So yeah, part two, things get pretty crazy. Yeah, for sure. I think definitely like the first half of this book, Snorefest. Yeah, I feel like the story really starts at Calamai. Yeah. And then and that's where I get into it. Takes off. Right. And so we just addressed Calamai and now we see Favor being vulnerable. And so we're going to end it here this week, guys. All right. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next week for part two.